Bible, you can turn where we're going to be in Matthew chapter 28, okay? We're going to be looking at and talking about something to start off the year. Uh, look, you know, there's a debate that goes on. I, I want to say we're starting the new decade. Some people don't believe we're starting a new decade. They believe that it ends in, you know, at the end of 2020. We're starting a new decade today, all right? We're starting a new decade here. So as we do that, you know, the Lord says this, that he doesn't put new wine into old wineskins. The things of the past are the things of the past, right? We have to deal with the effects and the, and the things that happen in that. So there may have been things that happened in our lives in the last 10 years that we're going to deal with for the rest of our lives. But it is a new day, all right? It is not only a new day, it is not only a new year, it's a new, what, decade, all right? So we're starting all, we're wiping it all back, right? It's all done. There's nothing we can do to go about it and fix it anymore. We're starting a new and a fresh, amen? All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to get a new way of thinking about things, all right, this morning. We like to think in addition and subtraction, right? You look at your bank accounts or you look at things that go on and you go, you add them or you subtract them, right? They're either credits to you or they're debits to you. God deals in other ways, though, all right? God takes things, and just like Vic's prayer was for us as we pass off and play, he takes this amount of money right here that we think that he gives, and it's, we look at it and we see a number and we see this finiteness to this this. But God takes that, he breaks that, and he multiplies that. He has shown us that all throughout scriptures, that he is mightier than what we think. And so what we're going to learn to do and what we're going to start doing as we start off this new decade is to think differently, to stop thinking about adding and subtracting, not just thinking that way, but thinking exponentially. So if you think exponentially, it gives you a greater uh, perspective on things. So look, if you take two and you say two times two is what? Four. Four times two is what? Eight. Eight times two is 16. Then you get to 32. Then you get to 64. You realize if you did this for an entire month, it's just, it's the, the compounding of it. It's just astronomical. It's beyond our beliefs and our thoughts. So we need to start thinking instead of adding and subtracting, start thinking exponentially. And that's how God works. God works this way. So he gives us, and what we're going to start with today is looking at his commission to us. He gives us a great commission to go out into the world. Now look, this commission that we're going to look at in particular is given to us in Matthew chapter 28. But this is how important this is. This commission is given to us in all four gospels and in the book of Acts. So when he's telling us what he's telling us in these verses, this is the place that we look at it, and it's the one that's most familiar. But if you go and you look at the end of each one of the Gospels, and then you look at also in the book of Acts in the beginning, he gives this same commission to us to go out into the world and to reach people for him. But it's going to be done not only in an addition type of way, it's going to be done in an exponential type of way. And so as we look at that this morning, I want us to start thinking this way. And the scripture says this in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. So there's a few things as we do this, we're going to give an overview this morning of kind of where we're going on this. And so I'm going to break it down and we'll be looking at each one of these parts individually over the next five or six weeks. All right. So the first thing that you need to understand is that this is what? This is a command. This is a command by God. This is not optional. In other words, we don't get to choose whether or not we do this. This is a command from the Lord to go out and to what? 
There's one verse, and look, I know this, I'm getting pretty ticky-tacky on all this, and, and, and some of us are not great scholarly English majors and stuff like this, but there's four verbs in this, all right? But one of these verbs is called an imperative. That makes it the most important verb. And so I've given it to you on your outline there. It is make disciples. So make is the central verb in this passage, So when God tells us to go out and make disciples, it's the most important. We've got to understand that when we look at these things, this is a command from God. It's to make disciples, and it's not optional for us. In other words, we're not supposed to just come to Christ ourselves and then live our lives in hell with the rest of you. That's not the way this works. It's not what God has called us to do. Even when we live in an age and a day like we are living in right now, where tensions are high in other parts of the world because of things that are taking place. And we think that there's going to be war with a different group of people. Our job is still to think missionally of how God is going to overcome and work through that. Because what this world sees for our end and our demise, God sees for his glory and his opportunity. So we need to be thinking about how God is going to move and do and how he's going to control all of this because he is in charge of it all. In charge of every single aspect of this. So the command is for us to make disciples. It's not optional. 2 Timothy 2.2 says this, The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So look, I've told you this before, and I'm just going back, like I said, in an overview to reiterate this. This is four degrees deep. Paul is saying, Timothy, the words that I've entrusted to you You're to go and entrust to somebody else, but you're to entrust that to them in such a way that they can teach somebody else themselves. So Paul is saying, Timothy, I've taught you to be able to teach somebody else to be able to teach somebody else. I want you to think about this. And I had this problem in our last church. The last church we had, what happened over the course of about five or six years was that some people left. And when some people left, the men that we thought that could be leaders within our church left. And so I saw my leadership team go from five or six people down to two guys. And I asked them every time I got together with them, who are you raising up to take your spot? Uh, Tim, I think it's, I've been on the leadership team now for three or four years. I'd really like to rotate off. Who did you find to take your spot? Who are you raising up to take your place? Because you want me to ask, you're asking me to allow you to not be a leader of this church. Who's going to take your spot? Who are you pouring your life into to teach somebody else so that you can make them the disciple to follow after you? Now, I want you to think about this in every aspect of church life. If you're a Sunday school teacher, who are you raising up to take your spot? If you're a band member, who are you teaching to play the instrument that you're playing when you're not here? Whatever it is that you're doing in the work and in the life that God has called you to, you're supposed to find a successor. You're supposed to not only find a successor, you're supposed to find a successor who's able to teach somebody else. 
So it goes deeper. It's exponential. Now, look, we're a good Baptist church. We have, um, you know, I don't think ours is functioning right now. The church council is serving in this. But a lot of good Baptist churches have nominating committees, right? The whole committee's purpose is to go out and find the next sucker, I mean servant, to be able to, to take over a spot. Right? To ask you to go in and, and do something for an entire year or, or you know, for a specific, specific period of time. Look, that's not what God intended, is to put a committee together to go find somebody else to do this. The job belongs to the person who's doing that. Why? Because that's what God has commanded us to do. It's not optional. We don't get to pick and choose. We need to be the business about finding the people and raising up the people to come in behind this to carry the load. Scripture's over and over talking about this. Paul tells us about this in the whole second half of the book of Galatians. When he's talking to that church, he is saying, you're supposed to carry your burdens, and then you're supposed to carry other people's burdens alongside of you, and you're supposed to be doing what you can. The freedom that you've been given is really a responsibility. We've lost that in our country, right? We're free. But with that freedom becomes responsibility. We're losing that within the church. You're spiritually set free, and we're just walking around going, I'm free. Woohoo, I'm just great. I'm going to heaven. What about everybody else? What about this place? What about Christianity as a whole? We talked about this some too, and I'm not going to harp on it today. But we're building a vertical church and not a horizontal church, meaning this, one leader, thousands of people. That's extremely vertical. When they tried to do that in the Old Testament, it was called building a tower of Babel all the way to heaven, and God tore it down. We got to get horizontal, everybody. We got to get back to teaching people one-on-one. Investing our lives with other individuals. Get off your phone and get on the phone. Talk to someone. Just don't text and look around and see what's going on. Communicate with some other individual personally. Take some time out of your busy schedule to invest your life in someone else. Why? Because that's what God commanded you to do. Every single one of us have been commanded to do this. And where the, where, where the breakdown takes place is where the breakdown in the church takes place. Meaning this, if it's you and you're doing something here and we can't find somebody to take your spot, then there's the breakdown. We need to be raising somebody up. We need to be finding them. So the command is to make disciples, not an option. Then there are three things in the way that it tells us to do that. I'm not going in order, but I'm going in, in order spiritually. All right? So I'm not going in order as it's read in the passage, but I'm going in order spiritually. The first thing it says is the next verb would be baptizing. This is the eternal aspect of what we're talking about here. If we want to be exponential and see God move in an exponential way, the first thing that we must do as disciples is be spiritual people. Now, what's the first verb in the passage? What? Go. The first verb in the passage is go. 
And this is what we like to do first, but it's really last. We want to go do something, right? We just want to go and do, do it. Let's Come on, Pastor Tim. What are we going to go do? What's the next thing for us to do? Well, the calendar said that we did this last year, so let's just go do it. But we're not assessing the things that we do spiritually. We're assessing the things that we do by calendar or by our heritage. And we need to get spiritual about the things that we are doing. So we must put that through the filter um, and ask a question, why are we doing what we're doing? And is it spiritual in what we're doing it? Or is it just an activity? I love to eat breakfast with the men. But all I'm doing is getting fatter. I appreciate you. But there needs to be a spiritual aspect to what we're doing there, men. Women, getting together with the WMU, doing missional things. We need to be looking at that spiritually. Deacons meetings. We need to be looking at that spiritually and not just thinking, well, coming in, Tim's got some things that he wants to do. I got something I want to talk about. Where's the spiritual aspect in this? It's everything that we do. It must filter through spirituality or it is going to be fruitless. Because the first thing that's important in all of this is the spiritual aspect of our lives. We're baptizing. Now, when it says baptizing, I'm not thinking in the terms of the actual event of a baptism. What is baptism representative of? Death, burial, and resurrection of our lives, right, spiritually. In fact, a good Baptist preacher in the, in the pool would be going, buried in the likeness of his death, raised to walk in a newness of life. Is that what you say when you're coming out of the water? That's what I was taught, something around that, something like that. That's what I was taught. Buried in the likeness of his death, raised to walk in a newness of life. And I can do that over and over and over again in the pool. And it might not spiritually mean a thing. Because what that is is representation of an outward change of an inward profession of faith. That's all that baptism is. That water is not salvific. My words are not salvific. So spiritually, we have to get things right. The representation of that is baptism so that we can effectually see that within the church. Why are we baptizing people? Because you need to let people know that you've had a life transformation. It is not a secret. The Lord tells us if you are a light that has been lit, are you supposed to hide it? You're supposed to what? Show it. And in fact, it says that you are set on a hill so that you cannot hide yourself. Old Testament story. Where was Gideon? Does anybody know where Gideon was when, when the Lord first came to Gideon? God, yes, exactly right. He was down in a hole threshing wheat. He was the, the least of the least tribes. He was of the 12 tribes, he was the least 
His tribe was the least, and his family within that tribe was the least. God went all the way to the end, found this guy down in a hole threshing wheat. Does anybody know where where wheat should be threshed? On top of the mountain. Why? Because when they beat it, the wind on the top of the mountain takes away all the chafe from the wheat. He's down in a hole. He's making his job so much harder. God finds him there. And through a process, makes him what? A judge and a deliverer of his people. The least of the least of the least of the least. Numerically, he was at the what? Bottom. And God took him all the way to the top. He was hiding out. God took him all the way to the top. He made him a new creation He transformed his life. We look at ourselves and we see, I'm the least of the least of the least of the least of the least. There's no way that God can use me to do this, that, thus, the other, whatever. And we just go on down the road. Because we think of us as who we think of ourselves. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm having a laugh on myself because something's just popped into my mind. You know those Geico commercials? Have y'all seen the Geico commercial with Pinocchio as the, uh, the motivational speaker? And he goes, I look out in this room and I see potential. And his nose starts growing. <laughs> Such great potential. And it gets longer and longer and he goes, ah, ah. Because he's what? Lying. <laughs> this is what we do. I look out in this room. And we go, oh my gosh, there's nothing here. There's no potential here at all. There is potential. There's huge potential within this room. In fact, we have no idea what God can do through every single one of us. But Tim, I don't don't have as many days left as I had before. So, do you have days left? Are you still fogging up a mirror? (laughs) Then you're not done. You're not done. We have not finished what God has called us to. So spiritually, we've got our get our act together. So if we look at this and see, I told you I needed to fix my iPad so quit cutting off on me, but I didn't. John 3, 6, 5 and 6 says this, Jesus answered and said, Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Here, let me, let me say this one other thing, too, about this, and then I'll move on. We're looking for something other than God's people and God's church to do spiritual things. God called us to take care of the widows and the orphans, and we look to the government to do it. God called for us to be servants and to help other people. And we look for somebody else to do it. And I don't care what that is, how you look at it. We want somebody else to provide for us. God says, I've given you all that you need. We're not living like we want to. And we're looking for somebody else, some way, shape, form, or fashion, somehow to make that happen. 
That's not what God has called us to. God has called us to be spiritual people. We're to be looking at ways to be able to help not only ourselves, but each other. If you've been blessed bountifully, there's a greater responsibility to the kingdom of God for that. But we like to tighten our hands and say, that's more that's mine. It's not. We got this all messed up backwards. Truly, truly. So he's pointing out, remember this is oral culture. Whenever he repeats this, it's very important. Truly, truly, I say unto you. What did I do with my iPad? Okay. Hey, by the way, I got a new Fitbit. Last week, I walked a mile up here <laughs> in 30 minutes. I was like, good grief. I was, if I'm going to start preaching for an hour, I can get my whole steps in for the day. I'm just kidding. I won't do that. Dude. All right. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. We must be born again. The next thing, the next verb is teaching. That's the each internal aspect. That's our emotional and our mental state. We make decisions today based off of feelings. Even though when the facts say something else, or even though the Lord has told us spiritually something else within his word. Pull your feet in. Your toes. We got to get our mental and emotional state. What is the center of our emotional state? It's our heart. The heart is our emotional seat. How many of you make decisions based off of the feelings of your heart? Maybe God's word says this, but emotionally you feel this. How many of us don't use the processor that we've been given? Because the heart has feelings, but then the brain is supposed to work in conjunction with that and say, this is not what God said to do. Ding, ding, ding. Don't do it but we just let it filter right on out. See, there's an internal aspect of this. This relationship that I have with God is not right. It starts spiritually and then is manifested internally. What's the old saying? Garbage in, garbage out. So... (laughs) If I expected to lose weight over the holiday season, I should not have eaten what I ate. Because there was nothing that I put in my mouth for the last two weeks that screams, you're on a diet. That you physically want to. My resolution, to lose weight and to be better and be fit. Where are we going to lunch? We think that that all adds up in God's math, don't we? It does not. So we need the internal checks. The internal checks are our heart. So if, if we base things off of our feelings, we got to know how God feels about it. And if we want to make good, solid mental decisions, we got to know what God's word says about it. And so if God's word says this, and then we have these internal filters of our heart and our mind to make the proper decision, then we got these things in check. But if they're not in check, we're going to be in trouble. Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 3 says this. Now this is the commandment. 
the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you. So if you're to pour your life into somebody else, look here. That you might do them in the land where you're going over to possess it. So that you and your sons and your grandsons, there's, there it is again, you, your sons, I'm teaching you to you to teach your sons to teach your what? Grandsons. Four. Might fear the Lord God to keep all of his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. O Israel, you should listen and be careful to do it, that it may be well with you, that you may what? Multiply greatly. Just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. God's promise to us out of living this type of life is that he will multiply it out. Not add, not subtract, not divide, but will multiply this out. So the command is to make disciples. The spiritual aspect of it is baptism. The internal is emotional and mental, which is teaching. The last thing is what? Go. At that point, we're prepared to go. That is the external aspect. That is the physical and the social. That is where we physically put ourselves out there before people, and socially we go out and build relationships. These are the five aspects that we're going to look at over the next few weeks. Spiritual, emotional, mental, physical, and social. This makes us a fully devoted follower of Christ. Now, I want you to think about this for a second here, Mount Salem Baptist Church. And it's not just Mount Salem Baptist Church, it's a lot of Baptist churches. And it's not just Baptist churches, it's a lot of denominations. In fact, it's probably the majority of Christianity in our country and the world. These are the problems. God says he's only going to give you what you can handle. Why would God send people here? Ask yourself that question. Why would God send people to our church? Look at our mental, emotional, spiritual, physical, and social state and say, we expect the Lord to do a great thing amongst us this year. I do too. But that doesn't start with the Lord giving them to us. That starts with us getting it right. Because God is only going to give you what you can handle. So if we can't handle it, he ain't going to bring it. So you want revival? We want new families? We want children? We want a fully functioning church where we have these ministries doing this and these ministries doing that and missions doing this and missions doing that? Then what are we doing? in our life to prepare ourselves for that. Because business as usual is going to get us what we got last decade and the decade before that. God is going to put new wine into new wineskins. So if you're going to stay the same old thing that we've been before and I'm going to stay the same old Tim I've been before, he ain't going to pour new wine into that. At all. 
So there's no way we're going to multiply ourselves out. And then we're going to get stuck in addition and subtraction and division. And we're constantly going to be thinking about numbers and not names. God thinks about names. He says, I know you by name. I know the numbers of the hairs on your head, and he's subtracting on my body right now because they're falling out all over the place. But God knows us by name. We count numbers. We got to start thinking about this differently. When we start thinking about this differently, God will start doing things differently. We want to see a move of God, we need a move of us. We want to receive revival in this place, we need God to revive us. We want to see that baptism full, we need a spiritual revitalization of us. We want to see difference in the way things are done here internally within the body of Christ. We need it done inside of us. We need a different mindset. We need a different thought with our heart. When that starts to take place, get out of the way. Because then it's a God thing. I've been there and seen it. And when you see it, it's an awesome sight. And you can't explain it. And that's awesome. What did you do? I have no idea. Get right with Jesus? That's what we did. And then when that happened... Jesus did the rest. So over the next few weeks, what we want to do is we want to step back and we want to look at each area of these distinct areas that we covered here in this passage. Five areas, five different places in Scripture that you're going to be able to go and read about it. You know it's what God has commanded us to do. It's not optional for us. We can't go forward without it. So as we look at it, and as we take those steps forward in our lives, let's see what God does. Hey, in fact, why don't you start doing some of this? Why don't you start writing down some of the things that you might want to see God do? Maybe you think of a person that God wants you to pour yourself into. Write down that name. Begin to do that. Think about over the next five or six weeks how you might invest or your life might be able to come in contact with that person's life. And in doing so, you can see God begin to move. And as we study these things, maybe you can talk about those things together. Vic is doing this. Vic has found someone in his life. And he's pouring his life into that person. And he's already starting to see. He's gotten him involved in a Bible study. That person's beginning to ask questions. That person's been here. This is what God's calling us to do. Are we on board? 
Because if we're on board, train's going to move. And I'm the conductor. All aboard! <laughs> Amen? Amen? All right, let me close then. Father, we thank you so much for this day, and thank you for the chance that we've had to come here and to be in your house and to hear your word. Your word is specific to us here, Father. This is a culmination of all of Scripture right here. Old Testament, New Testament, Gospel. You're commanding us to go out and to make disciples, to take what we've been given by you and give that to others so that there might be fruit in our lives. Father, there's areas in our lives that we need to improve on, each one of us. Some of those are internal, some of those are external. Some of us may have a great heart for Jesus. Some of us may have a biblical mind, but we don't like people. And you've called us to be social. And we've got to learn how to to get outside of the shell that we've created in our own self so that we can take the gospel to the world. Give us strength, Father. Help us to see the reflection of who we are in Christ Jesus so that we can move forward in our lives. Revive us. These things we pray and ask in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. All right. We're going to stand and we're going to sing. The altar is open if you want to come in to pray. I'll be here. Mike turned off, so if you want me to pray for you or talk to you, I'll be happy to do that at this time.